So today we're starting a new sermon series called Wisdom that's going to be based on the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't know if you noticed, but we were in Matthew's gospel from January all the way through last week. And um, Matthew's a long gospel. We looked at so many different parts of Jesus's life and teachings. And now we're going to shift and look at uh, this book of wisdom in the Old Testament. Most people believe that it was written by King Solomon. There's some biblical scholars that try to debate that, but biblical scholars can debate everything if you, uh, if you read them. But uh, King Solomon is referred to as the preacher or the teacher, and he wrote Ecclesiastes most likely at the end of his life, sometime around 940 BC. Uh, Solomon had accomplished a lot as the king of Israel. He had lived an extravagant life. He'd seen it all. And so with these words, he is asking the questions, what is it all about? Uh, what is the meaning of life? Why are we here? What matters? What doesn't? What should we focus on? What should we not? He's really reflecting back on his life and asking these very important questions. And so uh, we hear these words that Jay read in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Last Sunday was our baptism Sunday. And when I was baptizing Montgomery, um, I got a little choked up. And I didn't really see that coming, to be honest with you. Um, I just thought I would baptize her like I did the other fifth graders and uh, we would move on and, and uh, call it a day. But when I asked her to reaffirm her faith in Jesus Christ, um, I was filled with emotion. I've had the privilege of baptizing hundreds of children in this church over the years and I, I take that as an honor, but I've never baptized one of my own children before. She is our oldest child uh, in, in the fifth grade. And so at that moment, I was filled with joy, I was filled with gratitude, I was filled with um, thanksgiving, and my emotions got the best of me. Solomon is right. Life is full of seasons, and life is full of change. Children are born, they grow up, they leave home, they go off to school. And then parents are left in an empty house wondering where did all the time go? What are we going to do now that we don't have this mutual goal of raising our kids? How did this happen so fast? How can I rewind the clock? I chose this wisdom series for the month of May because May is a, a month of uh, graduations and commencements. And so uh, you hear people imparting wisdom on young people as they graduate high school and college and, and graduate school. And, and I've always loved to listen to commencement addresses to see what people have to say to young people that are starting a new chapter of their life. And so I remember Steve Jobs once told the graduating class of Stanford, your time is limited, so don't waste it living somebody else's life. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, what lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us. Thomas Jefferson, if you want something that you've never had, then you must be willing to do something 
you've never done. David Brooks once told the Dartmouth class, you have to give to receive. You have to surrender to something outside of yourself to gain strength within yourself. You have to conquer your desire to get what you crave. Success leads to the greatest failure, which is arrogance and pride. Failure can lead to the greatest success, which is humility and learning. In order to fulfill yourself, you have to forget yourself. In order to find yourself, you have to lose yourself. And isn't that a challenge in a culture that's built around me, 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 self? And so you add this wisdom to things that we've all heard before, things like nobody cares how much you know unless they first know that you care. Or people might forget what you said, they'll probably forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your behavior. Watch your behavior, it becomes your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. I have three basic points that I want to make this morning as we kick off this wisdom series. And the first point is this. There is a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same things. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts and data that you have learned about or experienced. It's having information. Knowledge is knowing the facts that we acquire through study and research and education, investigation, observation, and even experience. But wisdom is the ability to discern and judge which aspects of that knowledge are true and right and lasting and applicable to your life. So wisdom is knowledge applied to life situations. And it's much deeper. It's, it's, much, uh, it's much more important. Uh, it's, it's knowing why something is and what it means for your life and how you live. Now, there are a lot of people in life who have great knowledge, but they don't have any wisdom. Many people who are book smart, intellectual, maybe they made great grades, had perfect test scores, but they seem to lack emotional intelligence for living their lives. And remember, emotional intelligence includes self-awareness, self-regulation, self-motivation, empathy, and social skills. We spend our lives longing for wisdom that can change how we live and experience life. And so smart people are always seeking wisdom, not just knowledge. And wisdom can be found in the Bible, but wisdom is not the same thing as knowledge. Uh, I teach a couple different courses at Vanderbilt in the fall, and one of the primary things that I try to get the undergrads at Vandy to see is think about what it means to live a meaningful life. So things like choosing the right career path and finding the right spouse and having the right kinds of friends and nurturing your relationships and doing self-care, those are the things that are going to matter in the long run. These are the things that matter in the, in the big picture. And these things transcend knowledge. It's better than knowledge. Secondly, in Ecclesiastes 2, Solomon I think is basically saying that materialism and pleasure will always disappoint and you can never fill spiritual voids with these things. 
Now we like materialism, we like our stuff, we like our houses, our cars, our purses, our shoes, good on the list, but we can't count on that to fill spiritual voids. Solomon says, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water in the forest of growing trees. I brought male and female slaves, had slaves born into my house, I had many possessions, herds and flocks, more than anybody before me in Jerusalem. I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. And then he says, you know, but everything was vanity and chasing after the wind. And Solomon could say this because he tried everything. And in the end, he found that nothing in the material world could fill spiritual voids. Only God could fill that void. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to stay away from everything material. That's really not possible. Everybody has to decide what level you're going to live on and if you can afford it and how you can still be generous while you live in this consumeristic culture. But it means that we cannot look to our money and our stuff as the ultimate security because it will not work. There's always something bigger, always something nicer, always something newer, always somebody who has more than we do. Now in her new book, called What We Wish Were True. Talu Quinn, who just passed away a couple of months ago, shares a lot of wisdom. Nobody is as honest in life as somebody who is facing their own death very soon. And that's where Talu was writing as she was facing her own death. But this is something that she says in her book. She says, I keep coming back to the ways that our modern culture fails to embrace life and all of its joys. We enslave ourselves to work, to our screens, to distraction and denial, all forms of oppression. We chain ourselves to power and wealth and comparison and measuring up to somebody else's ideas of who we ought to be. We covet their opinions of us. We stay small. We want to see people for who we want them to be instead of who they really are. So here's Tulu battling glioblastoma, asking the question, why don't we embrace the beauty of life more? Why do we get so caught up in the trivialities and the stuff and the things that don't really matter in the big picture? Solomon is saying the same thing. You can't fill spiritual voids with work and money and stuff. And if you try, you'll learn that it never satisfies. Finally, this morning, my third point. In the third chapter of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is arguing that change is a constant in life, but relationships will help you get through any kind of change. And the sooner we work to embrace and adapt to change, the better off we're going to be. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. You know, when you get to serve a a church for a long period of time. Um, I've done it, Jay's done it, uh, Roy's done it, Justin's done it. You get to see lots of things change. You see people come and go. You see friends come and go. You see people come in and out of leadership. You, You say goodbye to friends that you've loved 
and loss to illness or to old age. You recognize that that life is not stagnant. It, It doesn't stay the same. And there is a time for every matter under heaven. And one of the worst things that we can do in life is to pretend that things don't change. Because they do. And they always will. And the best thing that we can do in a world that's always changing is to love each other and to build relationships that last with people that are dear to us. Another book that I'm lifting up for this series is Arthur Brooks's book, From Strength to Strength. And at the end of that book, he kind of boils it all down into some basic points. He says, we need strong human connections to flourish on the second curve of life. Even if we are introverted, we need healthy human relationships. For married people, a loving, companionate, spousal relationship is the key to thriving. Marriage and family are not adequate substitutes for close friendships, which should not be left to chance. Friendship is a skill that requires practice, time, and commitment. Work friendships are not a substitute for real friendships. You need both. In the book, he talks about real friends and deal friends. And he says, men have a lot of deal friends, but not as many real friends. Life is full of change. I don't have to convince you of that because you've all experienced it in your own life. And change brings loss. And loss is hard. But relationships will help us to thrive in the bigger picture. This is wisdom that we all need to hear. And so we're going to journey through Ecclesiastes. And there is a lot of wisdom in this book. There's a lot of searching There are times when you would say, wow, he's just basically saying that nothing matters. It's all futile. It's all pointless. That's not where this book ends up. But I encourage you to read it and join me as we journey through this wisdom series. Amen.